Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. I want to begin with a, a, a simple exercise. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question that's going to require some concentration, some focus. So I'm going to ask you to just go ahead and close your eyes. Uh, begin to sort out the distractions and just begin to focus because your answer to the question I'm about to ask uh, it has been said to be the single most important thing about you. You're like, wow, starting deep. Yeah, we are. So I would just ask you, close your Why are y'all still looking at me? All right. Are you ready? Think carefully. Think honestly. I know you're in church, but I don't want the Sunday school answer. I want the honest answer to this important question. You ready? Here we go. What is God like? What is God like? Eyes closed. Keep focusing. What is God like? A.W. Tozer says that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what are you thinking about God right now? Nobody can read your mind, so be honest. What do you really think? Sometimes uh, when I would do this exercise, my mind goes to the Lincoln Memorial in D.C. and I see a large man sitting uh, astutely in a massive chair with a thundering voice. Maybe if it's not Uncle Abe, maybe it's, then it's the guy that plays Jesus on The Chosen. But, but let's move beyond what God looks like. Let's think about what God is really like. Do you imagine him as patient? Maybe compassionate or forgiving? Merciful, loving, strong, majestic? Maybe if you were to be really honest this morning, I mean really honest, are your defining thoughts about God more like angry, vengeful, aloof or distant, maybe even disinterested in your life? The deist of the 18th century used to say that God is nothing more than a clockmaker who winds things up and then stands back to watch what happens doing nothing. You can open your eyes. Thank you. You see, your answer to that question is one of the most important things about you because it will always affect how you approach God. Thankfully, the Bible, the witness of the scriptures, does not leave us without a true portrait of what God is like. Zephaniah 3.17, one of the most profound verses in all of the Old Testament, says this, says, The Lord your God is with you, a mighty warrior who saves. 
He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. Don't miss what comes next. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. What would it take for you this morning to have your image of God match that? That the Lord is with you, that he is mighty to save. That he doesn't just like you or put up with you, that God actually rejoices over you. That he desires your rest in his love. Yes, that he is singing over you as a parent would sing over a child. You see, that's the challenge for us in the book of Zephaniah today. To see a God who sings over his people, quiets them with his love, yet at the same time does not ignore sin. So today, will you open your heart? As we dive into God's word, will you open your heart to see God for who he is? My name is Jared. I serve on staff as the campus pastor at our East Rockingham campus in Elkton, Virginia. Uh, one of the beauties of being one church in multiple locations is that even if you and I haven't met this morning, uh, or maybe we don't know each other very well, we're family, and that might make some of you really nervous. <laughs> But sometimes uh, you might see uh, someone from East Rock up here worshiping with you, joining in. Uh, just like we sometimes see folks from Harrisonburg and Elkton coming down to just catch up with the family. And that's one of the beauties of being one church in multiple locations is that we can worship together uh, all over the place. And, you know, that's part of being a community and a community that is called to impact our community. See, we're not just a community for fun. We're a community for mission. Uh, one of the ways that we've been living that mission out at the East Campus is just a couple weeks ago, uh, we partnered with our friends uh, EAUS, Elkton Area United Services, to host an event that we called Come to the Table. Come to the Table. Uh, we invited uh, people that were connected with EAUS to a sit-down meal at our campus there in Elkton. So we, we wanted to offer a nice meal to have an evening out kind of feel. We, of course, we wanted to share the good news of Jesus. And really, we just wanted people to be loved. And so with about 90 pounds of meatloaf, mashed potatoes, green beans, rolls, pumpkin pie, about 30 volunteers set out to see this mission happen. And it was awesome. <laughs> It was awesome. We had a, a couple folks playing some bluegrass band uh, type music. Pastor Terry shared the devotional about being a friend in Jesus. And uh, we had giveaways that night. Practically everyone left with something that night besides meatloaf and a full tummy. Nearly 60 people showed up that night, were fed, were loved, were pointed to Jesus. Numerous people that night and in the days afterward, they, they said, we just can't believe a church would do that. It's like you really love people. I'm going, yeah, <laughs> hallelujah, we do, we do. We are a community in Christ called to impact our community. On Sunday mornings, we've been taking the journey with you through uh, the Minor Prophets series. And just as you've studied Jonah and Hosea over the last couple weeks, we've been doing the same. Uh, it's been a challenging journey, but so rich. And today, that's where we pick up with the story and the study of a man named Zephaniah. 
Zephaniah. He was a prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah uh, during the time of King Josiah. We don't know a lot of specifics about the man himself. Uh, The three chapters that we have of his work uh, are poetic, they're prophetic, and in many ways they're apocalyptic. And so in short, that means Zephaniah can be pretty challenging. It can be pretty challenging, but we don't want that challenge to dissuade us from our pursuit of the word of God and to see God through his word. So that's our journey today because one of the things that Zephaniah uh, helps us to see is what God is like, both in how he deals with sin, yes, but it also helps us to see how he relates to his people. Let's dive in today in the book of Zephaniah. We're going to begin at chapter 1. His work really begins with some terrible language about evil and coming judgment and I mean it's nothing short of a hard truth and we're going to pick up at chapter 1 verse 4 today says I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all who live in Jerusalem I will destroy every remnant of Baal worship in this place the very names of the idolatrous priests those who bow down on the roofs to worship the starry hosts Those who bow down and swear by the Lord and who also swear by Molech. Those who turn back from following the Lord and neither seek the Lord nor inquire of him. You see, in the time of Zephaniah, things had gotten pretty bad. Uh, Josiah would lead a massive reform uh, in the southern kingdom, but it just wasn't enough to turn this wayward nation Worship of pagan gods was all over the place. Some people were even engaging in child sacrifice, and that's there in the reference to Molech. Others were worshiping the stars and the celestial beings from their rooftops. It was a, a synchristic culture, which, which means that they were, they were trying to blend all this stuff together. They brought all these pagan gods and all these things in, and they tried to worship Yahweh, and it just wasn't it. And those that weren't trying to blend it and mix it, they just forsook seeking the Lord altogether. They were forsaking the very one who made them. In a very real sense, the way that Zephaniah has begun uh, begins by painting a very familiar picture of a, a wayward people with the message of God that he is about to bring judgment upon them for their actions. The consequences of their sin uh, and rebellion were close at hand. As the prophecies of Zephaniah unfold, uh, we get to chapter 3, and I advise you to turn there. It really completes the picture of just how rebellious God's people had become. Chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, Woe to the city of oppressors rebellious and defiled. She obeys no one, speaking of the nation. She obeys no one. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. The people of God were supposed to be a signpost to the nations of who he was, but yet we see that they have become a city of oppressing rebels marked by sin. They would not obey. 
They would not receive the Lord's correction, his teaching. They would not draw into him. And despite all that God has done for his people, hundreds of years of trying to persuade his people to follow him, to repent, to, to come in and follow the way of righteousness, they refused. And finally, God says, enough's enough. Enough's enough. Let's skip down to verse 8. He says, therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord. For the day I will stand up to testify. I have decided to assemble the nations, to gather the kingdoms, and to pour out my wrath on them, all my fierce anger. The whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. If you were honest today, how many of you would say that this verse would accurately describe your picture of God? I know for many people I meet in my day-to-day -day travels, this is it. This is their picture. I know it's true for a friend of mine who we're going to call John this morning. If your name's John, this is not about you. Please know I'm, I'm gonna, I need to adjust a few details in this story to protect John's identity. But this story just is revealing and it's too important to skip. Uh, I met John a few years ago. Uh, immediately, I, I sensed that God had crossed our paths for a reason. I didn't know what. I, I'm not sure I still know why. But I knew it was the Lord. Our paths have, have intersected multiple times since that initial encounter. And each one of those moments, I just felt was an opportunity of grace for both of us. <laughs> for both of us. Uh, I ran into him again here recently, and, and as usual, he had some genuine and really thought-provoking questions for me about God, about the Bible, and especially the church. Man, John asked some good, good questions, questions that make me really wrestle and think. Somewhere in this last conversation we were having, uh, he, he said something like this. He said, you know, I've been around the church my whole life and I've never heard anyone talk about the Lord the way you do. I must have had that same, like what? I had that surprised look on my face because he began immediately to say what he meant. He said, when I grew up, it was always hellfire and brimstone. God's angry. He's just waiting for me to mess up so he can punish me. I'm going to hell is all I ever heard. I wish I could tell you I had a good on-the-spot answer for him. That I led him through the Gospels in that moment that I could walk him through and we ended in a saving prayer of confession of faith in Jesus, but I can't. Because you see, everything that I thought about God crashed together in that moment. And I fumbled over every thought. I fumbled over every thought. And my heart sank so low it filled my shoes. So many thoughts were going through my mind, converging at once. I fumbled over everything, and I don't even know if I got anything out. All I wanted to say was, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The conversation that day changed as fast as it began. He moved on. We moved on without resolve. But friends, his words have stuck with me. 
Because you see, his words are challenge me. They challenge me just like Zephaniah 3.8 does. They, they challenge me. They make me wrestle with the very question we began with. What is God like? What is God like? Look, I, I don't know what church my friend was connected with. I don't know what preaching he heard. But the impression that he has been left with his whole life is one that some of you wrestle with today. And it will always affect your ability to come to the Father. It's not complete. That's the trouble. It's that vision of God's not complete. It's partly true, but it's not complete. You see, I say partially true because God does get angry about sin. He does. God's wrath is real. It's a true biblical thing. And if the minor prophets teach us anything about God and who he is, it's that he takes sin very seriously. And he cannot, he will not allow it to go on forever unchecked. God would not be good, he would not be holy if he just let it slide. You see, a loving God could not ignore sin and its terrible effects because God hates sin and it makes him angry. But we often fail to realize in those moments as we wrestle with those texts that God's anger is motivated by his compassion and love for his people. Because he knows, friends, full well what sin does, how it destroys our lives, how it holds us captive, how it breaks relationships, not least our relationship with him. God knows what sin does and it makes him angry because he loves us. It's who God is. It's who God is. So when God moves to deal with sin, when he moves to deal with sin, yes, we're going to see consequences to those actions. Yes, the consequences might be difficult and painful even. But friends, if that's all we see, if all we see is angry old principal dishing out discipline, smacking us with the ruler, if that's all we see, we don't have the full picture. Parents, you, you know if you're disciplining your children, it's not because you're angry or you don't like them, it's because you love them and you want to see them flourish. So it is with our Heavenly Father. The Lord's anger, his judgment, his discipline in dealing with sin is motivated by a desire to see his people restored and renewed, brought near in relationship. Let's continue to the next verse in Zephaniah, verse 9. He says, then I will purify the lips of the peoples that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. You see, God's judgment in dealing with sin, it's redemptive. It's focusing on restoration and purification of his people. And if we fail to see God's heart of compassion, even in his anger, we'll always have a distorted view. We'll always have a distorted view. In the story of Judah, the story of Zephaniah, God's judgment came, came quickly through the nation of Babylon. 
It was just a few years later that the nation of Judah would be overtaken by this Babylonian empire. And in a very real sense, what happened is that God handed them over to the desires of their heart. As they were seeking other gods and worshiping other nations, God just handed them over. And in a very real sense, sin just did what it always does. It destroyed them. It destroyed them. It bound the people of Judah in captivity and death. As you might imagine, this is a dark moment in the story of God's people. In many ways, life would never be the same, but this was not the end of the story. It's not the end. God was still moving towards their restoration. And friends, it's that move, it's that point towards restoration that we can say and we can read with the prophet in verse 14. He says, sing, daughter Zion. Sing, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. Rejoice, people of God. Rejoice. God's anger is not focused on your destruction, but your restoration. What we see in the prophet of Zephaniah is a compassionate God who is angered by sin, but is relentless in his pursuit of his people. That's who he is. That's who he is. Going back to my story about John, I, as the band would begin to make their way, I left John that day. The conversation was playing over and over. Does that ever happen to you? <laughs> Thinking about all the things I could have said, I should have said, all the ways I needed to try to... Uh, explain a better view of who God is. And if I'm honest today, I was really trying to think, how can I fix this for him? Which, that's faulty thinking. We don't fix people. But that's what I was thinking. Days went by, time played on, that conversation over and over in my head, rehearsing what I can say. How can I introduce compassion to someone who only sees God's anger and wrath? I won't have a, an hour to tease it all out and work through the story how can I help him to see the whole picture of who God is and what he's like? And then it hit me. You see, I have another friend that had given me the answer to this very question some years ago in the form of a coffee mug. Some of you might know my friend, uh, Dan Lee. He hangs out here a little bit, I think. Uh, what you may not know about Dan is that he's into pottery. Uh, he makes custom bowls and mugs and different things. I'm still asking him to make me a Yeti tumbler with a lid if you see him. Beautiful works of art. I, I found the answer to my dilemma in one of Dan's pieces. You see, how do we see God's compassion through his anger? How do we see him uh, take sin seriously and, and make a way for restoration? Friends, the answer is right before us. We're about to celebrate it worldwide. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. 
It's the manger and the cross. Matthew 1, 21 through 23 says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Merry Christmas. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, uh, not Zephaniah, but uh, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Friends, Christmas is the story of God stepping into our story to deal with sin. Through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, he bore the consequences of our sin. Through his life, the seriousness of sin was was taken on by the only sinless one. And he provided a way for redemption and restoration. Take sin seriously and be compassionate is Jesus' story. And we are invited in. Zephaniah 3.17, one more verse says, The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. His love will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Friends, this Christmas, will you see God for who he really is? He is the gift of Christmas. Will you receive him? Will you, will you see him? Will you see him as a God who's right there with you in the midst of your story, longing for your restoration? Will you know him as the mighty warrior who can save you from sin and darkness? Will you believe that no matter what, no matter how bad you've messed up, that God can restore you? Will you believe that today? Would you imagine, would you imagine God singing over you with delight? Occasionally our, our daughter, uh, she'll, she'll ask to snuggle. Sometimes she can't get her S's nailed, so it comes out nuggle. <laughs> And if her mama's not around, sometimes I get to be the one. Maybe if she's having a rough day or just wants to calm down, sometimes I'll just start singing over her. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Friends, that's how the Father sings over you when you run to him. Will you receive him? Will you receive him? That's the image that the prophet left us with. Embracing his children, those who will humble themselves, who too will take sin seriously and repent and seek him.
will sing over you. It's the miracle of Christmas. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you today for who you are. God, that you are a God who takes sin seriously. But Lord, it's, you love us so much that you didn't just take sin seriously. You made a way that we might find restoration and redemption. And Lord, we see that beauty in Christmas, Lord. Yes, and the cross and the resurrection. We see a God who deals with sin seriously. Motivated by compassion and love. God, your word says that you will sing over us as your children. Help us to hear your song this Christmas. Lord, I pray for that heart that's wrestled with the wrong view of you. God, I pray for my friend John today. That he would hear your singing. That he would hear your singing. We love you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.